AWOD Radio. Every weekday from noon to 3 on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 1051 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, your home here in Richmond for the Washington Commanders, who begin their season at home FedEx Field. It is a sold-out game in Landover, Maryland, as they host the Arizona Cardinals and the start of the Josh Harris era. We're very proud to be Richmond's home of the Commanders. Every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan if there is a Squirrels game. You can hear it on WRVA, 1140 AM, and we've got a special two-hour post-game show as well, always available on the Odyssey app. So question of the day right now, I want to know, 833-804-0910 if you're listening, members of the AWOD Army, who from Richmond is headed to FedEx Field for the home opener? That's the question of the day on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. So Washington's going to have home field advantage week one at FedEx Field. What kind of a home field advantage is this going to be? How much is it going to make a difference? I, I just think this is an opportunity here for the fan base to prove how much they hated Dan Snyder. If you hated Dan Snyder, you have no reason not to spend a little bit of money and go to this game. And while you're there, buy a $6.75 beer, $6.75 beer, because it's cheaper than 18 when it was last year. And buy yourself some new merchandise and spend money on the franchise because you know it's not going back into the pockets of Dan Snyder. This is an opportunity here for Washington to create some kind of energy and electricity at home and let the players hear it, all right, and let them feel it. And if you want to know what it's like playing at home from a player's perspective, well, the Sports Junkies had Sean Springs on yesterday. Sean Springs, one of my favorite corners, longtime cornerback in the NFL, played for the Seahawks and the Washington Redskins, and he was a lockdown corner. Here's Sean Springs talking with the Junkies about home field advantage at FedEx Field. My ceiling for the team is 10 wins. The floor, uh, they could possibly go 4-13. and 13. What? He's very close to mine. <laughs> yeah. So you think it could go really bad? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I mean, at some point, if it, if it starts to look like it's not going in the right direction, let's, let's start tanking games, go out to Caleb Williams. Who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, that's what I'm thinking. No, Are you not a Howell believer? Well, you better lose to Arizona then. <laughs> do you not that. believe in Sam Howell? Um, I do believe in Sam Howell, but like in the, in the words of Mike Holmgren, I need to see 56 games out of quarterback before I say he's a franchise quarterback 56. for me. 56? That's a lot of games. Wow. Or oh, like three years. I mean, how many guys have had one or two years good? Mm-hmm. I need to see like two, or at least two years now. Let's say two years. Let's say let's say uh, 30, 34 games. I don't 34 know. 34 games, right. So do you like I mean, you like what you've seen so far, though? Oh, I, I like Sam. I think if Sam would have came out the year before, he'd have been a top ten pick. Uh, I think he's athletic. I think he has a strong arm. Uh, I like everything. I like everything about about Sam. Um, 
you know, he's in a tough conference. You know, he's in the conference with the Philadelphia Eagles, who arguably be the best team in the NFC, then followed by Dallas and their team, and, you know, then the Giants and the Commanders fight for probably, you know, middle to bottom of the pack. So that was actually Sean Springs speaking about the floor and the ceiling for the Commanders. And I disagree with him about the floor being four games for this reason. All right. I don't believe that Josh Harris will fire Ron Rivera because he doesn't want to be looked at as the same, you know, dictator that Dan Snyder was. And so Ron Rivera, you know, this team might be one and four. There's a chance they get off to another slow start like typical of Ron Rivera. But I'll give him credit. He always finds a way to rally. And so my floor is still seven wins for this commander's team. I'm taking the over six and a half. Even if they're garbage, Ron Rivera will get some garbage time wins in late December and January. You know, the team might be five and ten at some point. He's going to get them to seven. I just absolutely believe the floor is seven wins. It's not going to be any less than that for Washington this season. Um, Look, I mean... Just put yourself in Josh Harris's shoes. Let's say the team gets off to a terrible start. If he fires Ron Rivera, well, then he's just created this debacle that is the exact same way that Dan Snyder would handle things. And then what is he going to do? Hey, Eric Bieniemy, here's your opportunity to be the head coach. Oh, you didn't do good enough. Now you're fired, and I'm going to bring in a new guy. I, I don't think we're going to be in this pattern here of bringing in a new coach every two years like we did with Dan Snyder. I think Rivera lasts this season, the entire season, and then Josh Harris will evaluate what he wants to do at the head coaching position, and maybe he hires a new guy. He's going to hire someone and give them four or five years to work it. It's going to be the whole trust the process that he did in Philadelphia. And I trust the process because anytime I turn on an NBA game, the Sixers are pretty darn good, and they're making the playoffs almost every year. Maybe that process hasn't turned into a championship yet, but at least they're getting into the postseason. If you're going to the home opener, I want you to chime in right now, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. I'm expecting there to be a ton of legends at this game. We've already heard Joe Gibbs will be attending the game, Magic Johnson, I'm sure you're going to have, you know, Fred Smoot and London Fletcher and all the great guys that we remember from the 2000s, Chris Cooley. You know, Logan Paulson will be there. He's working for the team now. And there's just going to be this awesome atmosphere in the crowd. And another reason for that is because, like Jason Wright said, he played for the Cardinals. They don't show up on the road. There's not like there's 100 Cardinals fans chilling in the DMV and they just have been tired of Arizona. They wanted to get away. No, people move to Arizona. They love the heat, but they don't leave Arizona and really still represent the Cardinals. And so they also have the same colors of us, basically, red and white. So you're going to see a ton of burgundy and gold in the crowd. And I do believe it'll be not just the first sellout in 10 years, but the first true sellout filled with home team fans in 10 years for the first time since rg3 had that crowd bumping during his rookie season and i'm just i'm fired up for this home opener it's the perfect scenario here where it's a team that needs to get a win and i even heard a caller on the junkies earlier this week say he believes the nfl rigged this so that josh harris could get off to a, a good start to the Josh Harris era taking over for Dan Snyder. And I don't agree with him there, but really, I don't think you could handpick a better first-week matchup for Washington. Maybe the Houston Texans, but there's some upside with them starting a rookie quarterback. 
Arizona's got Josh Dobbs and another fifth-round pick. They cut Colt McCoy last week. They named Kyler Murray a captain. He's not going to play maybe all season. How is he a captain? Maybe he's the captain of the team, uh, the Fortnite team there in Arizona. Washington is going to destroy the Cardinals week one, and you're going to have AWOD radio with just crazy expectations next week because I think the offense is going to put up maybe 30 points. Defense will hold them to 13 or so, and I'm going to be talking Super Bowl. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be fired up on Monday because this team is going to take care of business against the Cardinals. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Let's take a listen to Sean Springs one more time talking about home field advantage at FedEx Field. Talk about that mm-hmm. kind of impact that can have on you and the game. Well, let me tell you, when I came, that was Coach Gibb's first year. So I don't know if you guys remember, camp mm-hmm. was crazy. Like, it was packed. Right. And uh, Coach Gibbs, and we opened up Monday night against the uh, Cowboys and had Coach Parcells. Mm. So it was packed. The stadium was packed. It was live. And that type of energy, when you show up to FedEx and you see those type of people, that type of energy just <clears throat> gets you going. It gets you ready to play. It's, you know, it's excitement, you know, and you get jazzed up and you want to perform for the, the fans at home. So I'm hoping that comes back. I'm hoping that comes back for this organization. You got to make you, FedEx I mean, feel. affect the scoreboard. I think so. I think, one, the crowd noise, you know, we need some type of advantage. You know, you're playing against the Cardinals who aren't just not that good. So you get the crowd noise, and um, that helps. And, you know, it's always it, it's always energetic when the offense inside the ball, they, they, those guys get rolling, and they, and they need a, a tough third and two or third and one, and the crowd gets loud, and they come in a, you know, that extra momentum to give them the push to get, you know, maybe a game-winning first down or something like that. That always seems to work at home. Let's make FedEx Field sound like it's Joe Gibbs' second era once again. It's 2005. There's a new era, the Josh Harris era. You know what? If you're going to the game, I want to hear this new era on TV. I want the crowd to bleed through my speakers. That's how fired up I want people to be for game one at FedEx Field, because here's the thing. If people show up and the team wins, they're going to come back. They're going to tell their friends it's the place to be on Sunday. And that's how you create a home field advantage in the NFL. we got more news on the Commanders as they've signed wide receiver Jamison Crowder to the practice squad. We'll discuss that on the Commander's Corner coming up next. Spend your afternoons with Adam Epstein, AWOD Radio, every weekday at noon. On Sports Radio 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So a former Washington commander who was drafted here in Washington in the fourth round of the 2015 NFL draft. He was a big part of the franchise during the first few seasons of the Kirk Cousins era. His best season came in 2016 when he caught 67 passes for 847 yards, seven touchdowns. He had a monster game at home against the Packers in which the commanders upset Green Bay. That's Jamison Crowder. The commanders signed the veteran wideout to the practice squad earlier today. That's the lead story on the commander's corner. So this is good news for the commander's receiving core, but also the question is, did Washington make this move because of simple 
depth for the wide receiver position because they had an opportunity to bring a guy back that had success here and he can do some interesting things in the slot where you might be weak at that position? Or did Washington sign Jamison Crowder because of Terry McLaurin's status for week one? I believe Washington signed Jamison Crowder because Terry McLaurin will not suit up week one. I believe if it was Terry McLaurin's choice, run TMC, right? Terry McLaurin would 1,000% be on the field. He could, he could be out there with one foot, and he would try to play. He is a gamer. He is an ultimate leader. That's why they named him as a captain. That's why they gave him the bag of money, and they said, hey, you deserve it. Now go up there and be our playmaker at the wide receiver position. Terry McLaurin would suit up no matter what. Ron Rivera doesn't feel that way. Ron Rivera sat out Chase Young until he was 1,000% ready last year. He sat Logan Thomas until he was 1,000% ready. Ron Rivera has a history of sitting people out out of abundance of caution for the reason of, oh, it's a long football season. We're going to need you for 16 out of the 17 weeks. I believe Ron Rivera will make the decision to sit Terry McLaurin, and that's why the team signed Jamison Crowder. Now, I am fired up for Jamison Crowder and what he can bring to the offense this season, but I don't think he's going to be on the outside like Terry McLaurin is. And so you're going to have a lot of pressure on De'Ami Brown week one. So since playing for Washington, Jamison Crowder bounced around the league. He played for the Jets 2019 to 2021, and then a short stint last season with the Buffalo Bills. This is a speedy receiver who, if you get the ball to his hands in open field, he can make a guy miss and pick up chunk plays. I always thought in Washington his best play was simply just a drag route where... He doesn't go much past the line of scrimmage, just kind of crosses through the field. And if the quarterback hits him in stride, he's got the speed to beat anybody to the corner. But also, it's an interesting piece to know that Jameson Crowder had a lot of success in Washington as a special teams player, returning punts. Returning punts. And this is a team here that did not have a great punt returner last year with Dax Milne. And uh, we thought maybe that was going to be Kazmir Allen Turns out he couldn't uh, catch the punt in the preseason, and that's why he is on the practice squad. I think there's a chance that Jamison Crowder gets brought up in the first three weeks of the season, and Washington gives him a shot to be their backup slot receiver and also punt returner. He did sign with the Giants in March, but was cut as the team's roster shrunk to 53 men. Played in just four games last season and broke his ankle, catching 60 passes for or six passes for 60 yards. So it's not like he took off at all last year. Uh, really, he was awesome in Washington in 2016 and 17. Okay in 2018, left Washington. I think he had a decent season with the Jets in 2019. But since then, he hasn't really shined in the NFL. And you know what happens is these teams... They start drafting rookies, younger and younger and younger. It's a young man's league, and Jamison Crowder has kind of been just left out. And so it will be interesting to see if he can find a home once again here in Washington throughout the season and beat a veteran presence for young QB slinging Sammy Howell. And uh, speaking of the wide receivers and Terry McLaurin, uh, our buddies at SB Nation put out an article where they have an injury update on Terry McLaurin. They believe that the commanders are optimistic 
that Terry McLaurin could return. Rivera is holding out until the team has to provide injury updates for the season opener against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you remember, he suffered this turf toe in the second preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens, came out just before the end of the half, and you have not seen him return. They've been very cautious about McLaurin in practice. They're not letting him do anything except for, except for individual work. Uh, they're trying to keep him off that foot as much as possible. And look, a healthy Terry McLaurin is a, a playmaker in the National Football League. But it might be the best case scenario for Washington to have a healthy Terry McLaurin for week two through 17. That's just my opinion. You know you're starting the season with a rookie quarterback and a new offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, And they are both huge fans of Scary Terry and what he brings to the team. But I kind of think you need to look at this and say, this is the Arizona Cardinals. If we can't beat the Arizona Cardinals without Terry McLaurin, then maybe we should have drafted multiple wide receivers. It's Jahan Dotson's time to step up and shine. I believe he's ready for this opportunity. I think Curtis Samuel, who was awesome last year in week one, is going to relish the chance to get more PT, more snaps on the field without Terry McLaurin. And Deami Brown, who certainly had chemistry with Sam Howell throughout their time together at UNC, they're looking to create some chemistry once again in Washington this season. Um, so I would like Terry McLaurin to play. I think Ron Rivera is going to sit him out because they wanted him there for the entire season. And I also think that's why the team signed Jamison Crowder earlier today because they're just not that sure how to handle this turf toe. It is something that has burned many NFL players in the past. It's something that Antonio Gibson kind of uh, derailed his season last year at times. And so it's one of those injuries that you're going to be hearing about throughout the entire season, whether or not Terry McLaurin plays week one or not. His turf toe is not just going to disappear. I, I believe it's something that we're going to hear about in Thanksgiving. We're definitely going to hear about when the cold weather comes out, right? Uh, uh, comes back again in November and December. Logan Paulson told us that, the former commander's tight end, that as soon as the weather gets cold, you really start feeling that toe and you really start feeling the injuries more and more in the NFL. So I want Terry McLaurin to have a Pro Bowl season. I drafted him in fantasy. I certainly believe in him, but I just am worried about that toe injury, and I think Ron Rivera will sit him out week one against the Cardinals, and hopefully the team can still get the win. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. It's 833-804-0910. Call AWOD, 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. It's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. we got a lot still to get to on the show today. Got University Drive, where we'll talk JMU against UVA with Dave Rigert, the voice of the Dukes, and Greg Medea, who covers UVA for the Daily Progress. Scott Allen will join us from the Washington Post ahead of the Commanders' Week 1 game against the Cardinals. And then every Wednesday at 2.15, we do drive down Richmond Highway with the czar Gary Hess and get you ready for another week of high school football. But it is time for the Cowan Gates Hokies Update 
with Bill Roth. What's going on, Bill? I just am incredibly excited that Gary Hess is known as the czar. Oh, yeah. Well, he's been doing high school football for 30 years. <laughs> there, well, at least we've got the fight song going there. Yeah. yeah. How are you guys down there today? We're good, man. How are you? I'm well. It's blazing hot in Blacksburg again today. We're getting set for Purdue to come in here on Saturday. That's a noon kickoff, so a bit earlier. But I think the Hokie Nation is feeling a lot better today after the season opening game against Old Dominion than it was a year ago. They played pretty well for much of the game, yet there are a lot of things to improve upon for next week. Yeah, no, I I was pleasantly surprised uh, by the play of Grant Wells. I mean, he looked a lot more improved from last year. Uh, ended up with 251 yards, three touchdowns, and a rushing score as well. Correct. Yeah, last year he had four interceptions. This year he had four touchdowns, so much better game <laughs> yeah. against the same team. Yeah. You know, Ollie Jennings, what a debut from Highland Springs. He uh, caught two touchdown passes. In fact, you know, early in the game, he went into the huddle. Grant told us and said, dude, they can't cover me. Let's <laughs> just throw it. Let's wow. just throw it. And – that's exactly what they did. The the Tech newcomers had 12 catches, 203 yards, and three touchdowns. Receivers that were not in the program the last time the Hokies played. Right. And I knew Ollie Jennings was a veteran with a lot of experience. But talk about confidence to be able to go up to your quarterback week one and just say, throw it up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's an example. I mean, the, the portal changes everything in college football. I mean, Ollie Jennings led the nation in receiving last year. And mm-hmm. so – in the NFL, we would call that a free agent signing, right? <laughs> it just the, – the irony of it is that he was doing it against his former team. In fact, Mike Burnup and I were talking about on our Level 7 podcast, has anyone ever caught a touchdown for the Hokies and against the Hokies <laughs> in back-to-back years that basically decided the game? And, and that's what happened. You know, Jennings caught the game-winning touchdown for ODU last year and then caught two touchdowns against ODU this year. You know, the entire offense looked good. I mean, Jalen Lane was impressive as well. And we spent the entire, you know, offseason and the last few months talking about, man, there's some real weapons in the wide receiver room, and they would certainly showed up week one. You know, the, the Hokies, the issue, though, they didn't run the ball and they didn't stop the run. Those right. are the concerns. But in terms of offensively, the Hokies were four for nine in the red zone, and and two of the four were field goals. So, you know, 36 points could have easily been 50 or more had they banged it in. And, and you know, you had first and goal on the five and don't get any points out of it. You have first and goal at the seven and, and, and get a field goal. And, and then later you have – the ball on the 10 and get nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Clemson showed the nation what happens if you don't score in the deep red zone, right? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you know, it it doesn't matter how many yards you have if you're not getting anything when you're on the one yard line. And and Bill, I did want to give a big shout out to the ACC network that primetime on TV when they showed Coach Pry coming out with, with Enter Sandman. I mean, it felt like everyone around the country got goosebumps. I don't know how you could have watched that and not been fired up. They did a great job with it, and that's one thing that the Hokies have and Lane Stadium has is great theater, and everyone in the country knows about it. I had several friends last year who did go to Tech. They went to Penn State, actually. Mm -hmm. They go to a game every year. They pick a game, and they came down to the Miami game just for the theater of Lane Stadium and the tailgating and and perhaps 
uh, a beverage or two. But but they were buzzing about it last year. And, and when you get a, a game at night, it's interesting. Uh, it, it's incredibly unique. Now, this week is a different story. It's a noon game. So it'll still be good, but, but you know, it doesn't quite have the juice. It was amazing. It, uh, an hour before kickoff, it was packed. The game didn't start till 8. At 7 o'clock, the stadium was packed. And, and that's what's unique about it. I don't know that we'll get that Saturday, and we're playing a much better team. You know, Purdue's 0-1, but they've got an elite NFL quarterback from Texas. They've got Big Ten players. They won that division, their division in the conference in the Big Ten last year. It's a new coach, but it's guys that have been in a in a program that competes against Big Ten teams week in and week out. And I'm calling this the Big Ten portion of the Hokies schedule. We <laughs> we see the Hokies and, and Purdue this week and then Rutgers next week. Yeah, so give me more of your breakdown about this game here with Virginia Tech hosting Purdue. And what do you think of the Boilermakers' defense? Will the Hokies be able to have their way with them with the um, you know superstar wide receivers on the outside? Well... You know, I don't know. I don't know that I'm ready to call the Hokie wide receiver superstars <laughs> just yet. You know, Purdue hired a new a new head coach. He was Illinois' defensive coordinator. It's a team that's DNA is defense. They brought in Graham Harrell from West Virginia to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah. And, you know, he was uh, part of the Mike Leach tree. He coached against the Hokies for WVU last year, and they ran the ball at Tech. If you remember last year's West Virginia game, they had a big offensive line at WVU and a big back, and as the game went on, they they wore Tech down, and Purdue's got a big offensive line. So Harold has already coached against this defense. It wasn't that long ago, right? It was October that West Virginia was here. So it's the same scheme, just – Instead of Mountaineer blue and gold, it's Purdue black and gold. Uh, last year he had JT Daniels at quarterback, and this year he's got the kid from Texas. So, you know, they they, they didn't play well against Fresno last week, and yeah. it's hard in a first game for a new coach. And now it's their first game on the road with a new coaching staff. So I, I saw the line went from Purdue favored by three and a half to Virginia Tech by three and a half. Yeah. Well, now That's it's a that... seven-point swing. That's right. a pretty big swing. It's dropped down now. It's Virginia Tech minus three. And I, I do think it could come down to, you know, the, the fact that the Hokies are playing at home. At home. And, yeah. and Purdue had to travel there. Well, I you know, they don't – for their first five games are at home. So this is a huge game for Purdue specifically because they lost the first one. Mm-hmm. Right? They their, their schedule, just so you know – and they got a tough schedule. They played two teams. They played Michigan and Ohio State in conference this year. Both went to the playoff last year. Their non-conference schedule, they have Fresno, which they lost at home. They come to Blacksburg, and then next week they're home to Syracuse. So you can kind of see like they thought, okay, we got Fresno at home, and then we got two teams from the ACC that had losing seasons. We can be 3-0. and You know that's what the Purdue people were thinking. And then they got beat by Fresno. So you can kind of see – for a split second, the urgency of this game for the visiting team, specifically a team that won that division last year and played in the Big Ten championship game. It's 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 a team and a program that wants to win. But I'm, I'm excited to see how the Hokies perform against the better team. You know, Old Dominion didn't throw the ball. They, they were able to run it, which is a concern if you're the Hokies. Uh, so the tech defensive backs didn't get tested. Mm-hmm. So, But Purdue will. And and so this is a much bigger test on Saturday. 
This is the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth, play-by-play voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies. And your coverage starts at 10 a.m. on Saturday? We'll be on the air at 10 right here on The Fan. So get up early and uh, bring your radio to the game if you're coming. If not, we'll keep you company all day long. 10 a.m. is our broadcast pregame coverage. The game begins at noon, and we'll keep you company on The Fan. Love that. Looking forward to it, Bill. Before I let you go, let me hear your recap of – uh, this past weekend in the ACC. I mean, UNC, pretty impressive. Florida State, good. And and, and Clemson, man, they didn't wake up ready to play. Well, let's give, let's give Duke some credit. <laughs> I'll give him a little credit, but here's what I will say, Bill. And you were there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Maybe I'm reading into this too much. When Riley Leonard took the stage, he looked like a mature adult that was ready to ball out. Clubnick, Clubnick looked like a kid to me, speaking That's to the what media. I'm saying. Give Duke credit. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All I know is when Duke had the ball and was running, Clemson couldn't catch them. Yeah. Duke's quarterback was faster than anybody Clemson <laughs> had to catch him. Yeah. And I, I thought, so, yeah, I'm, I'm giving Duke the credit here. Now, Clemson – they they got to get better in the red zone too, like the Hokies. I mean, they but they were even worse. They get an F minus in their red zone offense. Obviously, <laughs> I think the story though in our league was Florida State putting a whooping on LSU physically. Yeah, lining up, pounding them. LSU's good, man. Well, the That's first half big... was entertaining. The second half was a blowout. They, you know, so Florida State. I I've gotten to know their offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. I I did their spring game on TV. Florida State wants to be a power smash football team, and they are. And I think that surprised LSU a little bit. Now, they still have speed, like every Florida State team, particularly their good ones have. But what's different about this Florida State team is they're going to pound you with that offensive line. And I've never seen LSU get trashed in the trenches like that. (laughs) And. We go down there in a few weeks to play Florida State. It's going to be interesting to see how how people defend FSU's physicality this year. Yep. Bill, great stuff as always, man. Talk to you again next week. See you, pal. Yep. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Your home for AWOD Radio. Every weekday from noon to 3 on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. AWOD Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free and just search 910 The Fan to hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk. Gives you the ability to have TiVo on your phone for the radio. You can pause, you can rewind, you can run some errands, then pick up Right where you left off, if you're enjoying the program, check out the podcast if you missed anything. We're available on iTunes and Spotify by typing in AWOD Radio. You'll find each hour of the show, plus a full best of hour of AWOD Radio available for you on your drive home. And it is time to talk all of the college football programs in the state of Virginia, catch you up on what you might have missed last weekend, and preview this Saturday's action on University Drive. Let's go to University Drive. Scores, rivalries, rankings, all the college football in the state of Virginia. We'll follow the action all season long. College football, baby. University Drive on AWOD Radio. 
All right, and the biggest college football game locally has to be the James Madison Dukes traveling to UVA to face off against the Hoos. And from JMU right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, we got the voice of the Dukes, Dave Riggert. What's going on, Dave? Hey, Adam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game this weekend. Absolutely, man. So let's recap uh, that game against Bucknell, 38-3. to But everything I read online, the fan base wasn't that happy with the way the Dukes played. It was a struggle. They did not get out to a good start on, on Saturday. The offense was not good. Um, Alonzo Barnett, the redshirt freshman, did make his first career start and really struggle. He was 3 of 11 for just 15 yards and interception. So they went to Jordan McLeod midway through the third quarter and gave him a spark. He was 7 for 11, 144 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So they kind of got going in the second half and then overwhelmed Bucknell. But honestly, they didn't play very well. Um, a lot of mistakes, a lot of mental mistakes. It was not a great first game for the Dukes, but still – they almost had 500 yards of offense. They held Bucknell to two total yards after halftime, so made some adjustments and played better as the game went on. And, and so take me through this process here. At what point did uh, Coach make the announcement of who would start this weekend against UVA? He actually did on Monday at the Sunbelt Zoom call that they have each week, and I was very I was surprised that he did that. He, he kind of keeps things close to the vest. Um, but Jordan, Jordan McLeod's a guy that's made 19 starts at the FBS level. Um, he was at Arizona, South Florida. Um, Alonzo Barnett had a great camp. He won the job, but his nerves got to him, and he struggled. And they want a guy with some experience right now that did kind of show out in the game on Saturday to kind of lead them through a difficult stretch where they've got three consecutive road games plus a game at home against South Alabama, one of the top teams in the West Division, the Sun Belt. So they've got a really tough stretch now, and I think they, they want an experienced guy right now that's kind of been – been in some of those battles that uh, that he's had to go go play on the road. Yeah, so a bit of a controversy right now at quarterback for JMU. Defensive side of the ball, though, you hold three uh, hold Bucknell to three points. What were your biggest takeaways defensively? I think they just kind of had to figure themselves out a little bit, and they were going up against a team that had a brand-new offensive coordinator, a much different system than what they had a year ago. But they have eight starters back off of a defense that was number two in the Sun Belt last year and led the nation in the regular season in, in rush defense. So, They'll be really good on that side of the football. They didn't tackle a ton during fall camp. They studded up and, and didn't really go full speed. So there were some missed tackles early on. They played much better after halftime. But that, that side of the football, I don't have any questions about that side. They, they, did, they did lose a defensive end for the season, so it does limit their depth a little bit up front. That could be a concern as the season wears on. Um, but that side of the football should be dynamic pretty much the entire year. What position group do you think the Dukes feel great about against UVA? Like, I think UVA probably feels good about their chances with the defensive line against the O-line. The big guys, how do you think JMU feels about their different position groups? Well, the one thing that will be interesting is that UVA's D-line is tremendous, but JMU's offensive line is probably the strength of their football team. Mm -hmm. They have the top eight guys back from last year, including obviously their five starters. So that is one of the strengths of this football team. So I think that's one of the matchups to watch and listen for this weekend is the O-line for JMU, the D-line for UVA, and how that matches up. And if the Dukes can run the football, I think they'll be in really good shape. They had no issues running the ball last week, obviously against an inferior opponent. If they can run the football this week, I think they've got a great chance to win this game. So I think that's the matchup to, to watch and listen for this weekend. Dave, great stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Yep, let's move over to UVA and joining us to get the Who's perspective of this rivalry matchup here. I'm fired up for with JMU at UVA. They haven't played each other in 40 years and covering UVA and Central Virginia for the Daily Progress is Greg Medea. What's going on, Greg? 
Oh, not much, Adam. Good to hear your voice. Absolutely. So let's just start with this. You know that sound. Keys to victory for UVA hosting JMU. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, it's, it's it's not to abandon the running game on offense a little bit because last week against Tennessee, they finally got that run game going in the second half, and and the offense looked okay once their ground game started uh, to get moving a little bit. But even Tony Elliott after the game Saturday said, you know, he's probably kicking himself. Uh, for, for going away from the run just because it didn't work early. He said, you know, that takes time sometimes, especially with a new offensive line. Uh, and Tennessee was a very, very good opponent, uh, fast, physical front seven. Uh, and, and, and Virginia uh, didn't find that success early in the run game. And I think this week against James Madison, which uh, last year, you know, what, second in the country uh, in run defense, only behind Georgia, uh, the national champion, uh, they, they, they're going to have to stick to it if they want to find uh, success on offense. Give Paris Jones, Kobe Pace, Mike Hollins a little time to get going, uh, especially given the quarterback situation uh, for, for the Who's and maybe some unknowns there going into Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be an emotional matchup as well. Set the scene for what you think Saturday is going to be like, the first home game since last year's tragedy. Yeah, I mean, the families of, of Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis Jr., uh, will we'll be part of a ceremony that honors the three players and, and obviously their families uh, ahead of kickoff. It'll start around 1130 uh, and, and expect it to be, a, you know, players to be very, very emotional, right? I mean, they played their first game. That was emotional enough. And, and this time, you know, the, the, having the families of, of their former teammates on the field, I can't imagine it being any less emotional. Uh, this team's been through a lot since last year. And, and you know, as, as it's, as it's gone on, and you don't want to say it's in the past just because, uh, you know, there's a new season and, and new, new check marks, I guess, are being hit uh, in, terms of, in terms of progressing since that tragedy last November. Uh, but they've dealt with this a lot and, and learning how to play and channel your emotions, whether it was getting back for, for spring practice or the spring game uh, or this past Saturday in Nashville uh, with, the, with the opener. And then they're going to have to do that again this Saturday. Uh, and learn how to keep those emotions in check and and play because it's going to be, uh, you know, they're expecting over 50,000 at Scott Stadium. Uh, and I, I know JMU fans will travel too, but uh, it'll be a, a very supportive home crowd. Uh, they're going to give away 35,000 orange UVA strong T-shirts. Uh, and, and they're probably not going to be a dry eye in the house from a fan perspective uh, as, as everything happens with the ceremony. Uh, for those players who lost their lives in that shooting uh, after a field trip last November. Yeah, so JMU, you heard from Dave Rigger, they already switched their quarterback coach's decision. UVA might have to switch quarterbacks due to an injury, right? Yeah, Tony Muskett's day-to-day with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder, the left shoulder. Uh, I I thought for, for as tough as Tennessee's defense was, he did a really good job showing poise. Right, you look at the stat sheet, you probably don't think much of it. 9 of 17 for 94 yards, sacked four times, but he didn't turn the ball over, threw the ball out of bounds when he had to, took his sacks uh, when he had to. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough spot to be in against a defense like that, but he managed it okay. And, and considering, I know, Adam, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, considering all the problems they had with turnovers at the quarterback spot last year, uh, 12 interceptions, a couple of them returned for touchdowns. Uh, with Brennan Armstrong as the quarterback a season ago, uh, Virginia will take no turnovers as a starting point uh, for, for, for Tony Musket. Uh, if Musket can't go and it'll be a game-time decision, 
it, it, it would be Anthony Calandria, the freshman. Uh, he was enrolled early in the spring, so has the benefit of having been around a little bit. Uh, appeared in, in relief of musket this past Saturday against the Volunteers. Uh, he'll be ready to go. He's got a little moxie to him is what the coaching staff likes to say at Virginia. Uh, they really like his arm strength. He's not the biggest guy. He'll, he's 5'11", 6 foot. Uh, but Tony Elliott, he, he said back in training camp, one thing in recruiting that, that he didn't want to get bogged down with if, if he liked the quarterback was he didn't want to get, get nit, nitpicky about uh, about an inch or two in terms of the height. He wanted a guy that, that he thinks could win and thinks has a strong arm, and, and they found a little bit of that with Calandria, they think. Uh, so, so maybe uh, it, it would be interesting if he has to make his first start in this game, uh, but, but they have a lot of confidence in him, and so, so do the players on offense uh, for UVA. It's going to be a fun one this Saturday. Greg, thanks for joining us. Sure thing, Adam. Thanks so much. Yep, that was University Drive on AWOD Radio. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back.